You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. So it feels a little weird. Yeah, it does. Right now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> not that it matters to anyone who's actually listening, but we're throwing it back. Yeah. Not in any way you could tell. No. If we weren't talking about it so awkwardly, you wouldn't know at all. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. We're yeah. here for awkward banter mm. for the first three to five minutes. We're of really the holding the suspense like the podcast. Time. Yeah. Yeah. We're just recording in Zach's mixing room. Mm. Yeah. The it's mixing like room, which is what the we old did days, yeah. way back in the day, yeah, like four years ago. Do you want to know the memory it unlocks for me? Yes, I do. I say unlocks, but I've never forgotten because, <laughs> because I harbor shame. <laughs> what I remember, specifically sitting on this couch, you know what I mean? And things were new. This was four years ago, man. That was a long time ago. Not that we're pros, but I think we've come a long way. <laughs> come you a know, long I way. I think I can say that. And uh, I remember sitting on the couch and like turning to kind of face you because it's weird to conversate with someone and not look at them. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm new at this, right? Right? Yeah. Feeling my way out. And you're asking me questions about movies. Yeah. General, broader questions. Yeah. I was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything was so off the cuff. It was a wild time. Yeah. I was very unprepared for that. I've never forgotten my inability to enunciate cinematography. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. And then we re-aired the episode and I had the I had the option to clarify right then. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, I can't I can't speak. Yeah, that's what I remember. But honestly, wow. it feels good to come back with um with some some more chops, some more planning, some more wherewithal. Yeah. Yeah, anything to offer? No. Okay. <laughs> you said it all, man. Okay. What I thought was funny is that before we started recording, mm. we were talking about, Oh my! very word. coincidentally, you had asked, uh, back in the day, did we record in this room? Yeah. Sitting on this couch? You had asked that. Yeah. That was very odd. Uh, that you would, <laughs> are you yeah. a prophet? I think not. <laughs> I think not. Do you want I, that responsibility? <laughs> I do not, man. Are you kidding me? Here are all the bad things coming your way, everyone. No, I think I'll, I think Prepare I'll pass. to be thrown into a pit. Oh, gosh. Prepare to be sawn in two. Yeah, that's not a job I've ever envied. Yeah. Yeah, no. I feel like I think nowadays you just you just get shot. Oh yeah, yeah. It's there would be no yeah. just boom. Yeah. Dead. It's like gone. no one's no one's gonna look at you and say, Ah, behold, the Lord's anointed. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can be like, shoot him, shoot him now. <laughs> Kill him. Kill him now. <laughs> the whole world goes sheath oh, palpatine on you. Yeah. But anyway, you know, prophets have their own difficulties and yeah. so do we, you know? Yes. And uh, one of the invariable difficulties that we end up facing has to do with reading the Bible. Okay. This, this, this is a little related, well, actually. With my this, lack of discipline, this, I agree. It is <laughs> It is a difficulty sometimes. I'm, I got a hedge here because I want people to think I'm totally depraved. But it can be sometimes difficult. <laughs> Allow me to be very frank. No, one of the invariable difficulties that we face when reading the Bible is what are we to do with all the interpretations of Scripture that are just out there roaming in the wild? Mm. Which interpretation of a given text is the correct interpretation? Mm, yeah. Or how should we respond when someone says that we cannot know with 100% certainty what a certain biblical text means? <laughs> That's a very generous interpretation. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because this is a critical issue because one of the most common approaches to Scripture in the modern world is based entirely on the idea that we cannot know with 100% certainty what any given text means. Mm. And the result then ends up being you can't assert with any sort of confidence whatever, thus saith the Lord. Mm. What you end up getting is a sort of baptized agnosticism that unfortunately is really not helpful 
at all. Mm, sure. And I think anyone who's grown up in the church or spent a serious amount of time in it in some way or another can probably look back and say, like, yes, I was convinced of this interpretation or this application. Yes. And then in time, we find ourselves with a new or more informed or more complete picture that leads us to uh, to deepen our understanding or even, oh, change our minds. Whoa! Um, heavens to Betsy, change our minds? Real Heaven forbid. Can't do that. <laughs> um, but I think that's to be expected if you prize truth over familiarity. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can take that as a sign of growth. Yeah. And when you when you look back and realize, oh yeah, I didn't understand that as clearly as I thought, and I probably still have some blind spots to be cautious of. But if you're you know if you're hoping to know the mind of God in every way with utter certainty, <laughs> I've got some bad news. <laughs> you know, fallen humanity and all that. Um, Sin. <laughs> but like that shouldn't give us the cue to just abdicate responsibility here. Right. And I actually um, am thinking now of the recent series we'd gone through through Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. talking about the biases that people had even in the first century yeah. that blinded them from seeing Jesus, you know, the Messiah mm-hmm. staring you in the face and you're completely missing it because you are so stuck in your familiar understanding of yeah. a passage like Isaiah 53, for mm-hmm. example, that you just cannot see the possibility of it being Jesus. Right. And you're getting a weird flip on that these days, the way we approach the interpretation of scripture. So what I would like to propose on this topic are just a few boundary lines that can hopefully help us deal with these kinds of questions. How do we determine the right interpretation? Can we know with any kind of certainty at all Mm. what a text actually means? These are by no means exhaustive. (laughs) Big surprise. Wow. (laughs) Once again, not solving all of life's issues on a 20 minute podcast episode. But I think they do provide a helpful starting point for engaging with this issue of how we can approach biblical interpretation with reasonable confidence. Mm. And I've actually modified these from a scholar named D.A. Carson, who's written pretty helpfully on this subject. So these are not necessarily original to me. So I just want (laughs) to give credit where credit is due. So first of all, we can't assume that we must possess omniscience in order to truly know something. Mm. That's the setup I feel like I'm getting when I hear or read people make this kind of argument. Because what I've most often heard and read when I'm working through these things is that if we cannot know something with 100% empirical certainty, then we cannot know it in any meaningful sense at all. Mm, that's unhelpful. What in life can you <laughs> can you know exactly. that with? Exactly. If you take that proposition by itself, it's just absurd on its face, right? Like philosophically absurd. Mm. Because none of us knows all things completely. Like you don't know everything all the way down through to the bottom. Mm. Even yourself, right? Like the thing yes. you should know best. Best of all, you do not know yourself down to the bottom. Even scripture, even the Bible itself doesn't take this approach regarding human knowledge because you take just like as one example, we read right at the beginning of Luke's gospel that Luke set out to write an orderly account for Theophilus so that he might have certainty regarding what he was taught about Christ. So Luke is not promising omniscience to Theophilus. He's not promising, I'm going to give you 100% factual omniscient Uh, knowledge about everything. I'm going to give you a faithful account That will let you know, hey, I have reasonable certainty to believe what I've been taught Mm. about Jesus. I can put my, as you mentioned in a podcast a while back, I can put my confidence in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. That's literally exactly what I was thinking of, that connection right there. Exactly. Also, if we begin to take this tack regarding biblical interpretation, 
and knowledge in general. Then you start asking the question, when does the cycle stop? <laughs> right. You know, like if you're going to take that approach to interpreting a biblical text, then how can you trust that God is good when scripture says it's good? How can you trust that Jesus did love us and die for us? Mm. Who's setting up the criterion for what counts as being 100% knowable? <laughs> like who is deciding exactly. you have achieved 100% knowledge? So this whole posture at first glance might seem humble. You know, if you don't actually examine it a little more, it's like, mm. oh, that, that seems like sort of epistemic humility, <laughs> you know? But in reality, you could make the argument it's a form of idolatry and that it sets up some hazy idea of omniscience or quote unquote reason as the criterion for truly knowing something rather than coming to God in faith and allowing him to decide what level and depth of knowledge we require in order to reasonably and truly know something. Yeah. And I think also, and I'm not quite sure where to fit this, but if we're going to grade our understanding with a percentage, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just say you spend decades enriching your theology of let's pick sanctification. Sure. Great, great topic. Simple to... topic, right? <laughs> you know? And after all this time, you arrive at, say, a weird, peculiar 90% perfect understanding. That is amazing. Hey, that's a college A. <laughs> yeah. Am I to believe this wealth of knowledge and growth is worthless without a perfect score? <laughs> like, I'm sorry my mind has not been perfected this side of heaven. So, like, is this supposed to mean that utter stagnation is better than some meaningful growth? Yeah. Any yeah. meaningful growth? If I just gave up in a crisis of faith in the seventh grade, I would have missed every beautiful and difficult and actually sometimes painfully humbling mm. betterment sense. I would, yes. be, I would be a different human being entirely. Yes, 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 exactly. I think there's contained in that idea subtly, which you have just drawn out, so I don't know why I'm pushing it more, but <laughs> there's this idea that you have to achieve 100% of something in order to make it Good worthwhile. Luck. You don't do any, none of life works that way. Exactly. Maybe unless you've gotten all the trophies on a, <laughs> uh, on a uh, you know, a PlayStation game or I'm something. I'm all over that. Listen. That's it. <laughs> the one thing we can control in that regard. But yeah, I feel like Zach is the math, the yeah. math expert among us. But I feel like in a discipline like calculus even, you're not actually getting to that empirical 100% certainty mm. regarding... I feel like I've heard the word approximation used a lot. Okay. And it is something like calculus. I could be making that up. I have no idea what I'm I talking wouldn't about. Know. I should probably be pulling so off of that. I but, believed you. But the whole idea that you brought out mm -hmm. and that if it's not something you can know 100%, then why bother? Well, yeah. like, goodness gracious, no, that's ridiculous. Because if that's the case, you just wouldn't ever do or know anything exactly. at all. And that's just... You can't live like that. So that's the first thing. Second, we have to be careful to avoid what has been poetically called, poetically in my opinion, I I suppose. Imperious ignorance. Hmm. I do like that term. What you're getting out of that term is that it's one thing for me to admit my own ignorance and say, hey, I'm not sure what this passage means. Right. Or, oh, hey, I don't understand calculus. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's one thing. That can be a very humbling, yeah. appropriate thing to do. Sure. But it's another thing entirely for me to then project my ignorance onto you dogmatically. Okay. Like to say, I am ignorant and therefore you must be ignorant. You have no like, choice. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I can know what this passage means. Right. Therefore you can't know. Mm. Which again, is just arrogance disguising itself as humility, right? Yeah, exactly. It's legislating ignorance upon everyone else. I think it's safe to say in most cases anyway, mm -hmm. in order to avoid conclusions that we probably want to avoid. Yeah. But in just about any given case, someone can come to a reasonable interpretation of like, say, a biblical passage, mm -hmm. right? Like they can look at the grammar, look at the syntax, the context, do all that stuff and say, I can say with reasonable certainty this passage means X. 
with varying degrees of certainty, perhaps, depending on like how clear or obscure the passage is or the wording, the language. To the best of our ability at this time. Yes. Again, because we're not omniscient. right? Again, going back to that. And they can do that even if others confess that they can't decide. The whole point is you can't legislate your ignorance upon somebody else. Hmm. And so we have to kind of avoid that. And I think there is a tendency in our day and age to do that, to kind of legislate that imperiously. Sure. Which is not helpful to anybody. So that's the second. And then third is we really need to do our best to allow the sacred text of God's living word to speak for itself. Hmm. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One is because ironically, in our postmodern world, we're really fond of saying that our cultural blind spots keep us from being completely objective about biblical interpretation. Okay. Fair enough. Sure. But that's never minding the fact that such an assumption is itself a sort of cultural blind spot. Really? Right? Okay. Yeah, because like, one, no one in the history of the church, at least with any sanity, <laughs> ever advocated that we could be totally neutral or completely objective oh, okay. when it comes to interpreting the Bible. Again, because we're not omniscient. Right. Like, <laughs> Augustine was under no illusions that like, oh, you can achieve infallible <laughs> knowledge. Right of what the infallible text says. Mm. But then that cultural blind spot then assumes that your cultural blind spots so blind you to scripture that none of us can actually have a reasonable interpretation. And so that's very ironic to me. But also... I bring this up because I think it's kind of funny that whether you're talking, you're on the theological hard left of the spectrum or the theological hard right, there's a tendency to treat scripture as like a dead thing. Oh, interesting. Like a cadaver. Like I'm going to pick apart the little pieces that support my viewpoints. Okay. Help me arrive at the conclusions I already want to arrive at. Yeah, of course. As opposed to letting the living word sharper than any two-edged sword, active, as the author Mm. of Hebrews would say, pierce you, and as you mentioned at the beginning, challenge your assumptions. If, (laughs) again, it's like, if you're not moving up this, for lack of a better term, sliding scale of knowledge, Mm. that you can't achieve 100% omniscience, but you can get as close as possible in your human life. If that's not happening, there's probably Hmm. something going on there. Like you're probably not letting actually the living word of God speak to you. You're probably trying to wield it rather than letting Uh, it, you know, master you if that makes sense. And this is why, and to the point that, okay, yeah, we do have cultural blind spots. This is why it's so important to read the scriptures with other believers and to read in the tradition of the historical church, because doing so helps us in our quest to zero in on the most faithful, accurate understanding that we can possess of a given text. Because there are understandings that are closer to the truth, that are more objective, if you can use it, if you can speak of it in that way, right? (laughs) Like there are some interpretations like that is, given the fact, again, we're not omniscient, that interpretation must be more reasonable yeah. than an interpretation that like completely ignores the context, ignores the language, those sorts of things. Not all interpretations are created equal. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's really hard to do that and to overcome your biases if you're reading it always by yourself mm-hmm. and not within the yeah. history that we have of interpreting the scriptures. Well, like so much of the church's history, go back to the epistles if you want to go back that far. Yeah. It's a communal experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the case for a reason. That's valuable for a reason. That's not just circumstantial. Right. Yes. Yes. And for most of history, I could could just say history, you think about whether it was ancient Israel or the church, you didn't just have Paul's letters on your iPhone. Yeah. Right. You didn't just have endless scrolls of the Old Testament in your house. You heard the Torah read in the synagogue Mm. with other Jews worshiping with you. You heard Paul's letter read at 
your church and yeah. that was where you heard it read. Again, I love the fact that we have oh, sure. access to the scriptures wherever we are. I mean, that's a huge, huge gift. However, I think if you only take it by yourself to the exclusion of reading it in a community, mm-hmm. you end up missing out on yeah. so much because the Holy Spirit that is at work in you and helping you understand scripture faithfully if as you work through it is the same spirit that's at work in your brother and your sister to do the same. So anyway, I think that's all very important. Yeah. And taking all of this together to wrap us up, it also strikes me that the uh, that's just your interpretation <laughs> argument. Personally, I have never heard that used to advocate for a better, more faithful interpretation of a passage. Oh, right, right. Right? Like, it's just used to relativize all interpretations. Like, it, which, yeah. that's just not helpful. Like, right. it, what? <laughs> oh, so we're all in this place where we can't actually know anything, and why are we even having this conversation? Right like, why are we even doing this? So it just takes us into a mist of incoherence. So it's far better to look at the text itself. And ask as many direct questions of it as you can, trying to be as aware of your biases and blind spots as possible. And let the words and the grammar and the syntax itself help you understand what God has spoken. Because after all, also at the end of the day, God is the one who gave us human language and decided it would be a fitting vessel to reveal himself through. So it must be suited to the purpose. Like it must actually reveal him in a way that he can be truly known. And uh, that's true whether we can attain omniscience or not, which we can't. (laughs) We cannot obtain omniscience. That is the lone prerogative of God. Only God knows his own mind perfectly, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, that's the the next time someone tries to say, that's just like your, your interpretation, interpretation, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you can say that's just, that's that not helpful for works, these reasons. That only works on the bowling alley. Just, <laughs> but thank you for your service. Yes, and if you're Jeff Bridges in a cardigan or a He can say it to me whatever, anytime, frankly. That's it. <laughs> I would shake his hand. I will hear him out. So, yeah. Hey, thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, if you found this topic helpful or you want to ask any questions, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you found our interpretation of this whole debate <laughs> helpful, yeah, you can leave us an honest five-star review in the Apple Podcast platform. It actually does, uh, that kind of stuff does push your podcast up a little bit. It does, Statistically it does. and do yeah. all that stuff. If so. you, oh, here's Big one, help. here's one. People like to pitch this all the time in their podcasts, and I like it. I'm going to steal it. We've done it before. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a friend that you're in an argument with an interpretation with, share it. Share it yeah. with a friend. <laughs> share it with a friend whose interpretation you can't stand. <laughs> Grassroots people, word of mouth. That's what gets it done. And then give them a warm cookie to <laughs> help them out. Oh. Yeah. Hey, thanks as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.